There is no power in the world that can stop the forward march of free men and women when they are joined in the solidarity of human brotherhood. Walter Ruther. Hey everybody, welcome to the 10 to 12 podcast, the official podcast of Teamsters Local 1150. I'm Stephen French. And I'm Jason Shoemaker. So the wave of union victories continues across the country with the Teamsters ratifying the largest single employer collective bargaining agreement in the United States. And right here at home, Local 1150's ratified two industry-leading contracts in the last nine months. We're going to break these deals down. We're going to talk about what it means in the big picture. But first, let's take a dive into our contract. Well, one of the changes that came about in this new contract is about salary people performing hourly work. This is one that's near and dear to my heart because this past week I had the pleasure of catching a supervisor performing a lead man's job. So just wanted to remind people of this. Um, it's powerful new language we have, and if you're not using it, you're not protecting it. So make sure that you know if you see something, you see somebody that's doing your work, raise your hand, protect your job. Absolutely. And, you know, even if it's not your job, raise your hand. Let a steward know, hey, you know, that's not my work, but that's hourly work. I saw it, and I'm, I'm going to let you know. Yeah, we, no it means question. a lot to us. So here's the language for you. It's on page 36, Article 7, um, and it's Section uh, B. Salary employees performing hourly bargaining unit work. When a salary employee performs work that is clearly bargaining unit work in violation of this section and a valid grievance is filed on that work, if settled, the company will take appropriate action. Such action could include a monetary settlement to the affected employee or employees of not less than one hour of pay or the actual hours worked, whichever is greater, paid at the appropriate rate. Such payments shall be equally distributed among the grieving employees. So again, if you can prove that you know you saw the foreman doing the hourly work, it's, it's our work, you file a grievance, you might get paid for doing nothing. Yep. And you're doing your job to protect our work. And and that's the that's the purpose of this language, right? The 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 idea, the purpose of this is not um to put money in our members' pockets, no, right? It's not a free money grab. You know, unfortunately sometimes I think you have to tie a, a monetary amount to yep. A corrective action. That's right. To make it bite, to make it something that the the company agrees, you know, hey, this isn't worth us doing. We're going to honor it. That's exactly what it is, right? So it's it's to put a little teeth behind the language um, and, and motivate the company to make it stop, right? The idea is for us to do the work. So, um, let's keep those supervisors doing supervisory work and not not our work. Yeah, you know, if your foreman walks through the department and they perform your job and they see you not saying a word, we're, we're going to have a long road ahead of us trying to protect our jobs. Yeah. And, you know, if you go back in the archives of, of this podcast, you can find episodes about raising your hand, right? How, how it's important to um, stand up, raise your hand and enforce the contract. That's our job as union reps, as union workers. It's our job to enforce the contract when we see a violation of it. So raise your hand. Absolutely. 
All right, so um, let's talk about union power, right? This this episode is kind of about union power. We're going to talk about some contract stuff um, because that's really um, that that was a big issue here in the past several weeks. Um, you know, we talk all the time on this show about the increase in union activity across the country. Um, th- this wave's been swelling for the better part of the last two years, I'd say, um, and. And it really shows no sign of stopping. It keeps building. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the availability of good, willing workers has put unions, you know, kind of in the driver's seat. And um, and we're taking advantage of it. So um, uh, we can start right here at home, right? Local 1150 represents workers at Sikorsky Aircraft in three states. Connecticut and Florida work under one collective bargaining agreement, while the employees in Troy work under another. Um, we've been living and working under contract 2023 here in Connecticut and Florida for about nine months now. And um, Troy just ratified their new agreement, and it's a good one. So uh, we want to kind of walk through that. It's very similar to our agreement, right? A lot of the changes that took place down in Troy um, uh, mirror the, the language that we have here and in Florida. Um, so let's let's kind of walk through it and and talk about the things that we got and and again the whole idea of this particular episode is to talk about the strength of unions right now and this contract as a whole really speaks to that strength. Um, I can tell you that I was privy to some conversations leading up to this contract and the company kind of just took the position that hey we're just going to give you what you got in Connecticut and Florida. Right. So they didn't even look to fight. Right. It was just, hey, let's give you what you need and let's go back to work. Yeah. All right. So what's in here that's that's different? I mean, overall, we saw, you know, big advances in better health care, wage improvements and retirement security Uh, to hit on some of them for the better health care. We now have free dental care. Yep. We've got free vision care. Uh, we're going to have one free option for a high deductible health plan where there's no out-of-pocket cost for the uh, premiums. Yep. Um, and then there's going to be better plan benefits, and a huge one is going to be retiree insurance after a vesting period, which moving forward for our members, especially the younger ones, is going to be life-changing. It really is. And for their families. And, and listen, if anybody's listening to this in Connecticut and Florida saying, hey, hang on a minute, what do you mean free dental? What do you mean What do you mean all this stuff? This is, this is now... Um, coming to Connecticut, Florida, and Troy. It's the same plan. It's starting January 1st, 2024 for all three locations. And I think what's going to be really nice is that we're transitioning to Allegiant Care, which is a union company, yep. right? Um, and they care about the way that they run their health and welfare funds. So if we're going to, if we have input, they're going to listen. Yeah, no question. So, you know, there's some there's some you know overarching stuff right uh that that we got in connecticut and florida and is now in troy you know some of that um the the stuff that i think a lot of members don't really think a lot about but it's important stuff so the cooperation language right that just essentially says that if we try to organize another location um, within the company that the company won't necessarily take a hands-off approach but they won't use any anti-union tactics. They're not going to do what some of those big companies out there do that we talk about all the time on this show, right? Hire these law firms to fight the unionization. They're right. not going to do that, right? They're not going to use dirty tactics. They're they're going to 
talk to their employees um, and express their opinions about why they think um, a union is not necessary. That's going to happen, but they're not going to do, you know, those um, those meetings that we talk about, right? What are they called? Captive audience meetings. Captive Sorry. audience meetings, right. Which are illegal in Connecticut now. Yes, they are. Um, so they're not going to do any of that stuff. And, and that's good language, right? That's really good language to have. Um, and it might seem minor, um, but you got to remember that the baseline right now has been companies that can, and not our company, I'm not saying them, but companies that during these critical periods of organizing, the norm has been unfair labor practices by the hundreds. Yep. Um, now we've got new language at the NLRB that's going to help that. If yep. they commit those violations, they're going to have to actually honor the union bargaining. Yep. Um, yeah. Not I've, to get off track here, but you know, it really is a big difference between the standpoint of a lot of these companies versus, you know, where we're at. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, and so that's important stuff, right? To not have to deal with that stuff is really important. There's some language about um, the way dues are collected um, that that's really, you know, it's kind of behind the scenes stuff. It's stuff that helps us down here at Union Hall um, to make sure that, you know, if if you're in arrears or anything like that, if you know, you're out sick, that um, that the dues collection is done correctly, like right, the, the doubling up on dues and all that stuff is done correctly so that we know it. And that's just, you know, again, kind of behind the scenes stuff. Um, new employee orientation is going to be done by the union again um, at, at Troy. So that's a good thing. We really like to have um, the ability to be the first folks to talk to new workers, um, talk about the union, talk about the company, talk about their benefits and, and all the good stuff that we've bargained for them. Yep. The other thing we added down there is going to be documentation of step one resolutions and the grievance procedures. So anytime we have a resolution reached at step one, there's going to be a document that's signed by the union and the company's representatives, and it's going to memorialize that agreement. Yeah, and that's really important too, right? Um, when our stewards are doing the, the good work that they do out there and they they settle a grievance at that first step, you know, before this language existed, um, there could still be, uh, you know, a, a controversy over what was agreed to. And and now there can't be, right, because it's going to be in writing. So that's a good thing. Yeah, and I think it helps us enforce those agreements throughout the, the whole plant, you know, the whole company, rather than just in one department. Yeah, no doubt. Um, there was also changes to step three of the grievance procedure, and this is a really good one. Uh, we're now able to include a member of management and a union designated note taker. So this gives us the ability to kind of put management in the hot seat and ask the questions we need to without yeah. having to have that buffer of HR going to ask those questions. Yeah, exactly. And it, and it streamlines the procedure too, right? Because um, again, before this language existed, um, as agents, we would go into step three and and inevitably the HR rep would say, well, I'm going to have to go back and talk to management, right? So now management's going to be in the room and, and, and we can have that conversation on the spot. Yep. We got some additions to the arbitration language as well. Subcontracting is now subject to arbitration. Yep, awesome. And they also were uh, agreed to add a few new arbitrators to the panel. Um, and that's important because it allows us to have availability should we need to schedule one. Yep. Next up, we had uh, some changes to the job misclassification grievances. Uh, successful job misclassification grievances must now be paid within 21 days of the grievance settlement or the grieving employees will receive a 10% increase in the agreed upon settlement. Yep. And if you have two consecutive misclass grievance payouts to the same employee, 
it'll now trigger a meeting to discuss promoting the misclassed employees. Yep, just like up here in Connecticut and down in Florida. So that's really good stuff too. Um, that misclass language is really, um, that that's strong language. Yeah, and it, it's something that we definitely needed. We've seen, I think, a string of misclasses in the oh, past yeah. where you know we wanna have that ability to have those conversations. For steward requests, there's a little bit of a change to that procedure. Um, a steward request must be complied with without delay. And I wanna stress that means that they promptly provide a steward. I had this conversation this week with a supervisor as well. It doesn't mean they go sit at their desk, twiddle their thumbs for two hours and ignore you right. and say, I've got two hours. Yeah, two hours is the limit, but it's promptly, but no longer than two hours. But yeah, under this contract, we added a, a clause for two hours, no more than two hours after the request. That's to ensure that you know people aren't getting delayed and, and it's clear that you know we have a time frame and they need to address it quickly. Yeah, no doubt. Um, if the request is made within two hours of the end of the shift, the steward will be notified before the end of the shift, but they may be provided the next day. Yeah. And really that should be at the discretion of the steward. What everybody wants to know about is, you know, the wage increases. So, um, <laughs> you know, this, the same wage increases as Florida, Connecticut. So it's, um, 18% over the life of the contract. It's uh, 4% in the first year, 4% in the second year, three and a half, three and a half, three. Um, so really good wage increases and quite frankly makes um, our, our members down in Troy uh, some of the highest paid hourly workers in the entire state of Alabama. They were also at, able to add the automatic wage progression language we got up here in Connecticut. Yep. Um, so that's now going to be on a fixed schedule. Rather than having 10 cents, we're going to get 25 cents, and it's going to happen on the last pay period of January, May, and September. Yep. So, the, And I think that's a really good change as well. I do too. I think it's going to put more money in our pocket and it Yep. for the company makes it easier for them in putting those in. Yep. Same changes to um, the, the holidays that we had in in uh, the Connecticut, Florida contract. So Good Friday is no longer a paid holiday, but um, they've converted that to a floating holiday. So that just, you know, it, it's it's no less time off, right? It's still a paid holiday, but now you can take that any day you want. It's right? actually any an day extra the year. no points, no pay day. Yeah, right. Yes, and, and Good Friday um, is a no points, no pay day, as well as Martin Luther King Day, Juneteenth, and Veterans Day. So um, all good stuff. Shift premiums, uh, the, again, the same as up here. The uh, third shift shift premium um, has been established at 23.08% for the first six and a half hours worked. Uh, what else? I think we should probably talk about why that went in, right? Yeah, um, we should. So the reason for that change is we had a ton of pay issues on third shift over the years due to the differential and the way it was calculated. Yep. And this was a way to try and get the company on track and able to better, you know, pay people without having issues. Yeah, just the way it was done before, um, you know, it was really hard for the company's systems to calculate under certain situations. So now by plugging in um, a number, a 23.08%, it just makes those systems work a lot better. Um, and, and it resolves a lot of pay issues for our members. Uh, so it's important to know that, you know, the concept of six and a half hours worked for eight hours pay is still there, right? right. It's that's still the, the essence of the third shift premium. And that's why it, you guys came up with the 23.08%. Right, exactly. 
Um, reporting pay, so that changed a little bit, and this is a good one too. Uh, reporting pay now applies to employees who are scheduled to work and are not notified at least two hours prior to the completion of the previous shift or more than two hours prior to the start of the affected shift if the closure is due to weather. Yeah, and this, this you know, I don't know uh, how often this happens down in Alabama, right? But it happens a lot up here with the snow. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and it's it's important language to have, right? Before it was just, you know, the company would try to make lists of people who showed up for work. Right, because uh, it used to read who reported to work. Now it's who's exactly. scheduled. All right, moving on, we've got distribution of overtime. There will now be automatic payouts for overtime disparities that are not resolved during the 13-week uh, makeup period. And support departments must now be offered overtime when production is working overtime. Yeah, that's a big one. That's so, huge. so this was this was brought to the negotiating committee down there in in Troy. Specifically, um, I think they were targeting the inspection group, right? Um, QA, the QA folks were not being asked to work overtime when manufacturing was working, right? And and. They're a support department, so we were able to get language in there that says, hey, when when manufacturing's working, so are the support departments, and that's really good. Yeah, I want to stop and say congratulations to Troy on that one, because yeah. that is huge language to have, and uh, it's something we definitely want to keep. Yeah, we'd, we'd like to maybe insert that uh, into our contract up here, right. um, the next go-around. That's really good. Holiday pay, uh, the requirement for employees to have 30 days of service to qualify for holiday pay is now eliminated. And that's nice because, you know, as a new hire, you don't want to come in right before Christmas and find out that whole shutdown. You're yep. not getting it. Yeah. And, and, and beyond that, um, you know, keep in mind that this applies to our floating holidays as well. Floating holidays um, fall under the guidelines of holidays. Uh, so, your floating holidays can now be used immediately. Yeah, and the other change too is the 15 limit, uh, 15 day limit on military duty for the purpose of qualifying for holiday pay has also been eliminated. Right, so that's good too. Um, why would you penalize folks that are out there um, serving their country? Job evaluations, so we replaced letter 10 with job evaluation language in Article 7. Um, so if you're looking for it, that's where you can find it now. But the company must now notify the union of all job evaluation decisions in writing with an explanation. I think it kind of furthers the conversation, documents it, and helps people to better understand where each of those cases is and make sure that we put forward our best yeah, case. I, I think it's important. I mean, job evaluation is, is a a widely misunderstood process, I think, on both sides of the house. I think a lot of our members misunderstand it. I think even some of our stewards misunderstand it, um, and and the company misunderstands it. So I think you know having having stuff in writing so that we can go back and refer to it is a really good idea always. And just a reminder: if you think you have a job eval, you know, claim call for a labor steward, they're going to assess that claim and they're going to find out, is this something that should be handled by labor or do we need to get job evaluation involved? Yep. Um, salary performing hourly work, we already hit on that. Make sure you hit them hard if you see it. Yeah, so that's the same language that we have um, in Connecticut and Florida that Jason talked about earlier in the show. Um, they now have that in Troy. Promotional increases. So we used to get $0.60 cents minimum on any promotion. That's now been increased to $1.00. That's awesome. a nice change there. Yep. Special hire rate um, has been changed from fifty cents to one dollar below the minimum, uh, below the grade minimum. Yep. 
Jury duty, we eliminated the 30-day cap on jury duty pay. And then personal leave, new employees hired between January 1st and September 30th will receive three days of personal leave. All new hires receive five days of personal leave on January 1st of the year following the year in which they are hired. And the use of personal leave no longer disqualifies you from perfect attendance. People were looking for that one for a while, so glad we could get that one in there. Yep. Um, bereavement leave, we got a, a big gain there as well. Letter 29 was eliminated. Bereavement leave is now increased to 40 hours paid and can be used up to 30 days past the date of the services. So you may remember in the past we had to use it, um, it had to conclude on the date of the funeral. This gives people a lot more flexibility. And that's something that really came about from COVID. People were delaying services in some cases. People celebrate or you know lives in different ways. And this gives our members a lot more flexibility when they need it. Um, payroll errors, these, these now have to be remedied as soon as possible, and errors in excess of eight hours pay will be paid via a separate check. This is another big concern members had. Uh, they wanted to make sure that they weren't getting killed with taxes if they had a, you know, a heavy week after missing right. pay the week before. Yep. And any errors less than eight hours will be remedied uh, by the next pay period. The employee recognition program, we added language defining a company program that recognizes and rewards hourly employees. And this is not subject to arbitration, but it's a nice little addition. Parental leave, this was a huge gain. Um, mm -hmm. Really came about from some of our women's committee members. Yeah, for sure. So we wanna give them a shout out there. The company will provide four weeks of paid parental leave for the birth of a child, adoption of a child, or placement of a foster child. The leave will be in addition to family medical leave or any other similar benefit. Employees can return to work on a reduced schedule for 30 days, which is really nice to be able to kind of ease back into that work life, you know, kind of establish that work life balance. And only hours worked during that time will be uh, paid during the reduced schedule. Right. So some some other stuff, the, the kind of housekeeping stuff that that's in this contract as well. Um, there's a provision that requires the company to notify the union of uh, pending layoffs um, by you know the the day prior to the layoff um, by noontime. That's just you know again housekeeping stuff. The leave of absence for union leaders. That's the same same change as as the Connecticut, Florida contract, the 25 year limit on those leave of absences has been removed. Um, 30 day transfers, uh, the, the company now has to notify the union prior to these temporary transfers. Again, housekeeping stuff. Um, some, some decent changes, actually some really good changes in Troy on vacation pay. Very similar to, well, exactly like up here in Connecticut and down in Florida. Um, Troy will now be eligible for that 2% of the previous year's earnings calculation for each 40 hours of vacation time. Uh, previously, Troy was just, it was straight up 40 hours um, on their vacation pay. So now uh, the Troy folks have a chance to earn some more money on their vacation time um, uh, based on that calculation. So that's really good. Uh, pro rata vacation pay, same change as the, as the other contract. Um, I, I want to say, too, what's nice about having that option of 2% or 40 hours is there's cases where people, you know, we just got that change up here, so Troy probably hasn't dealt with that pain. Yep. Um, but up here, there were times where employees might get injured or might be out sick, and right. their vacation pay suffered. 
And I just wanted to share, we got a call down here at the hall this year from a guy that was out due to cancer treatment. Mm. And he called up. He wasn't expecting to get anything in his vacation check. Called down here when he heard about our contract, and he found out he was getting a nice big vacation check for a 30-year employee. That's awesome. Huge change, and it's nice to kind of see it working out. Perfect attendance language goes to the same language as in Connecticut and Florida. Um, Employees will now earn eight hours of pay. Um, at their base hourly rate for each calendar quarter of perfect attendance. So there's there's no longer um, the the time off attached to that perfect attendance. Um, it's just eight hours of pay. Um, the 15-day limit on paid time for military duty has been eliminated, so that's really good. Attendance policy. Same changes as, as the Florida-Connecticut contract the 30-day accumulator for removing points has been eliminated um, in favor of the 160-hour cumulative um, counter or 130-hour counter for third shift so um, you know we think that's a, a good change this is something that the company brought to the table and we think it's good yeah it gives us more flexibility which was the overarching yeah. theme our members had in their surveys this year now being assessed points isn't going to reset your accumulator um, you get credit for your holidays as if you had worked them and you get credit if you're on company travel or union business yep. so all good stuff yep um so the point system's been adjusted now for um, one point for one hour rather than um you know two points for up to two hours and so on and so forth employees will have access to their attendance record via the company's electronic timekeeping system this was not a thing in troy um before now so that's a good um that's a really good change you know knowledge is power it's it's just it's good to have access to those kinds of records court appearances you know absences due to court appearances Um, This mirrors language in the Connecticut, Florida contract that says if you are the principal in a divorce or a child custody case or you have to you have to accompany a minor dependent to court, you can um, you can do that at a reduced point value, um, just fractions of points per day with documentation from the court. That's a good change. Um, Eliminated bank points, personal days. we also got some language about training of non-Sikorsky personnel. So we added language that protects our members from layoff and establishes overtime rules if required to train any non-Sikorsky personnel. Um, one of my favorites, refusal to cross picket lines. So the company will not request or require any employee to cross a picket line and will not discipline in any way an employee who refuses to cross a picket line and enter the property of any employer who's involved in a primary labor dispute. Yeah, and that listen, that's it, it's some of my favorite language too. Even understanding that it affects only a handful of people, right? It's almost exclusively for our truck drivers um, and van drivers and and folks like that. But um, it's a really big deal, right, that we don't have to cross a picket line anymore. I think that's starting to become a standard in a lot of Teamster contracts. And we're proudly starting to see it used in a lot of cases throughout the country. Out in Hollywood, especially. Hollywood, um, Starbucks up in Boston was not getting anything sent to them if there was somebody on strike out front. Yep. Same with the Teamsters out in California with the the movie uh, actors and strikes going on out there. Right. This is a five-year contract. And um, finally, the successorship language uh, that, that just essentially says if the company is sold to a third party that, you know, the the union contract goes with it, right? 
Yep. Um, so, so what else? There's some, there's some good stuff that we can pick out of here. Um, signing bonus, um, $5,000 signing bonus, um, that's matched at 50%. If you put it into your employee savings plan or an HSA, um, increases to the defined benefit pension multiplier, uh, up to on January 1st, 2026, it'll go up to $93, that multiplier. That's, That's getting nice. up there. Considering, then, considering um, you know, how long Troy has been under contract with, with the Teamsters, that's a really good change. And then they got the supplemental contribution as well to the hourly employee savings plan. Um, that increased to $0.75 cents per 40 hours a week. Guidelines for overtime. That's the same change we, we got up here, right? Uh, the um, So now if you're on vacation for more than two consecutive weeks, you can be charged for overtime. Um, the I code changed too. So we, yep. we changed that. Um, it can be used when an employee is ill or otherwise unavailable once all other employees in the overtime group who are present that day have been offered. Yep. So let's talk about a little economic stuff because um, that's what people want to hear about, right? There is an enhanced uh, VSO that will be offered in 2024 and 2025 there are going to be 20 vso's in each of those years and if that doesn't sound like a lot yeah you have to remember that you know much smaller much smaller population it actually if you if you do the math i think um it's a larger percentage of the population than than what we got up here but um 20 and 20 in each of those years same provisions as our vso in our contract right that's very rich right really rich People yep. are going to walk out with bags of money. Yep. Uh, employee savings plan, the, the contributions go up $2 each year, um, max out at um, the match contributions max at $84 a week in 2028. Yep. The right. IMA uh, is the same as the Connecticut, Florida contract now. It's um, up to $23 a week, and then the catch-up contributions are up to 11 about the savings plan, too, they also changed. You can now contribute up to the IRS maximum for right. unmatched contributions. Yes, that's good, too. They got some wage adder uh, increases. Um, so Troy has a bunch of wage adders. Uh, and and just if I can streamline this without going through the whole list, anything that was 50 cents went to a dollar. Um, anything that was 25 cents went to 50 cents. Um, and then they established uh, some new wage adders, um, actually one new wage adder of 50 cents an hour for employees who hold a CAD plating certification. So all good stuff, some wage adders, more money in our pockets. Yep, we got some outsourcing and subcontract language added that uh, those are now subject to arbitration. Yep, good. We have a job referral program where the Teamsters are now qualified to receive bonus payments up to $10,000 under the corporate job referral program. Mm -hmm. The hourly job rating program, uh, we just agreed with the company that we'll consider talking about modernizing that plan, but I think everybody knows that it's hard to find a new plan. So Yeah, it's really hard. That's a tough one. I can tell you I did a lot of research on that prior to our negotiations up here. And, um, you know, there's nothing out there. Yeah. Like Connecticut, they changed the return to work protocol. This is another one brought forth by the company. It used to be that after five days you had to return through medical. They increased that to 10 days to make it, I think, a little bit easier, a little less burdensome. 
especially because yeah. people are out sometimes for flu for five days or yep. you know minor things. Yeah, and just to be clear, this is actually new language in Troy. Troy did not have a return to work protocol at all, so um, they mirrored the language in Connecticut and Florida and actually established that protocol in Troy. They're going to uh, now provide notice of terminations. The company must notify the union of any terminations taking place. Yep. It's always good to have more communication there. Yeah. Job posting. Uh, lateral and demotional postings are now subject to the grievance procedure, which mm -hmm. is a great thing to have. Uh, active employees within the bargaining unit who apply will have priority during selection, followed by those with recall rights to another occupational group, and then finally external applicants. And the company is going to provide union leadership with a list of open positions. They did add a letter that establishes a drug and alcohol policy um, that includes uh, some protections for employees with substance abuse issues, a mandatory overtime letter that requires uh, advanced notification in the event of mandatory overtime, added a letter establishing the ability to utilize um, FMCS, which is a grievance mediation service uh, to resolve grievances prior to arbitration. That's a good thing. And um, the credit and stipends for safety glasses and safety shoes uh, increased. Um, so a $200 credit um, for safety glasses for the remainder of 2023, and then $100 in um 2024. And then beginning in 2024, Legion Care is going to offer a $130 benefit for prescription safety glasses. So for anybody thinking they lost money, that's not the case. You're exactly. actually going to have more coverage and more money for those. Um, and then the stipend for the safety shoes, like Steve said, employees are going to receive $150 stipend three times over the life of the contract. Um, just a reminder, you can only do one purchase per year. Um, but that's an increase of $50 per stipend. And it's just a mirror. We've seen a lot of shoe prices go up over the years. So the Teamsters are talking a lot about no concessions, right? And I think this contract, um, you know, sticks to that mantra. We went into Troy, um, didn't give up any concessions. It's all gains. And um, in a state where folks don't typically make a ton of money and unions are weak, the Teamsters, Local 1150 to be exact, uh, went down there and and kind of cleaned house. It was it was a good deal. Yeah, we got a strong bunch down in Troy. Yeah, really strong. We've got a, a extremely high percentage of union members down there. It, it, what is a high nineties? We're really proud to have Troy in our family here. Yeah, and and this contract came right on the heels, right, right on the heels of you know what everybody's been talking about, which is the UPS contract. Um, you know, 300 and almost 350,000 Teamsters uh, at UPS just yep. ratified their national agreement. People with, wonder why we harp on it so much, but that's a quarter of all Teamsters. Yeah. It, and, and it's, you know, a huge part of the logistics industry, warehousing industry. It sets the tone for every contract. Absolutely. And, you know, when, when, when it's a guy like Sean O'Brien who's – at the center of the table and you know he's negotiating this contract and he's on the news every night talking about what the teamsters are going to do and what the teamsters are not going to allow the company to do um it speaks volumes right it, it makes it easier for us to walk into lockheed martin and negotiate a contract on the heels of that right because this is where we are today this is where unions are today. We have some power and we're taking advantage of it. Yeah. So, you know, you, you can't you can't talk about w what's going on 
in the labor movement without talking about what the Teamsters just did at UPS. So um, I think it's really, you know, it's lighting a fire under unions all over the place and even non-union employees who just yeah. want to unionize. Um, yeah. But for anybody that watched the bus strikes a few weeks ago, not to get off track, Meriden, yeah. that was a very quick resolution. They're, you know, that company is now out of Meriden. Yep. They're going to rebid the contract, and they got an immediate six percent raise. I think it was. Yeah, and and two days on strike. Right, because listen, I think companies now, I think employers understand now that you know when we say we're going on strike, we're going on strike, and yep. we're not coming back. We're not going to give you our labor until you give us what we deserve. Right. Um, and you know that was the overarching message that Sean O'Brien and Fred Zuckerman uh, brought to the table at UPS. And, you know, I read articles that said, oh, Sean O'Brien better be careful. You know, there's a lot of Teamsters that could lose their jobs over this. You know, the customers are going to go elsewhere and and they're never coming back and Teamsters are going to lose. And the Teamsters did not lose. No. And you know what? I think in some cases you can't prevent it like yellow. Yep. You know, we've talked about yellow before. There's got to be a bottom for what people are willing to put up with. Yeah. And the Teamsters showed we're not going to allow you to drop our, you know, well-being to that level yeah um and to your point it's it's happening across the board it's not just the teamsters right um we'll we'll talk in another episode what's going on with the auto workers but um you know there's a lot going on and unions across the country are taking a really strong stand a militant stand against greedy employers so let's talk about this contract let's talk about briefly right i don't think we want to go into great detail but um let's talk about some of the good stuff that that the teamsters got at ups so i mean it's an incredibly rich contract raises wages for all workers um, creates more full-time jobs it's better for the part-timers they were able to close the two-tier system um, so existing full-time and part-time ups teamsters are now going to get two dollars and 75 percent more per hour in 2023 and then over the length of the contract, the wage increases will total $7.50 per hour. And then existing part-timers will be raised up to no less than $21 per hour immediately, which was, a, I think, a pretty huge jump. It, it's, a, it's a really big jump. I know that the part-timers, um, you know, quite frankly, made a little bit of noise during ratification. They wanted 23 Mm-hmm. Um, they, you know, they wanted a starting rate of 23. They got 21. Yeah. Um, it- and it's, it'll go up to 23. And it's still a huge increase. It's double the amount obtained in the previous UPS contract. Yeah. And existing part-time workers are going to receive a 48% average total wage increase over the next five years. Yeah. This is clearly, you know, I, I talked to people during the ratification period that said, oh, I'm a little bit worried about it. You know, I'm not sure it's going to ratify. And, and I couldn't understand that. And, you know, you look at the numbers and it wasn't even close. It ratified by a 86 to 14% margin. Right? There were some really cool videos that came out of this campaign, but one of them was from one of the drivers. And for anybody who doesn't know, the drivers are the best paid. They've got CDLs right. there, you know, that's the top position to be in. Yep. Um, this was really about, they were getting what they deserved, but this was about lifting up the part-timers. And it was cool to see the solidarity, you know, between all of them. And they fought for it and they got it. And that's what's important, right? We we need to, um, you know, if we're not doing that, we need to, to learn a lesson from that, right? And I think it's a tipping point, right? It starts to create the norm that companies are rolling back to your, you know, tiered systems. Companies are rolling back differences in pay. Um, Fred Zuckerman, who, you know, he... 
he's a lifelong UPS guy. He said the following about the contract. He said, UPS came dangerously close to putting itself on strike, but we kept firm on our demands. In my more than 40 years in Louisville representing members at Worldport, the largest UPS hub in the country, I've never seen a national contract that levels the playing field for workers so dramatically as this one. The agreement puts more money in our members' pockets and establishes a full range of new protections for them on the job. So, you know, that pretty much says it all, right? Yeah, I mean, the the drivers are now up to an average of average top rate of $49 per hour. Yeah. Um, current Teamsters that are working at UPS part-time would receive longevity wage increases of up to $1.50 an hour on top of new hourly raises. So it really compounds their earnings. Yeah. Um, but yeah, new part-timers, they would start at 21 and advance to 23. So, you know, it's not a bad place to start no and and the you know the big thing that that they were looking to change was those uh 22 fours um and that's what they call their two-tier system right and and so they're going to be reclassified immediately to regular package car drivers right and 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 so it's gone the the two-tier system is gone um and they're on the same tier as everybody that's awesome Everybody probably remembers seeing videos of the driver last year on a ring doorbell that collapsed due to heat. Um, So they got some heat advances there. UPS is going to equip in-cab air conditioning in larger delivery vehicles, sprinter vans, and package cars that are purchased after January 1st of 24. And they're also going to retrofit existing trucks with uh, two fans, air induction vents, and uh, I think look at other ways to keep people cool. Yeah. So um, they got the message, right? I think that was that was one of the top two or three priorities going into this contract. And um, I think it was one of the first things they addressed at the bargaining table and and pretty quickly agreed on that. Yeah. And you know what? It's not something that they just brought in on their own. This is something that you saw videos, uh, you know, viral videos over the summer of drivers dripping sweat, soaked uh, with temperature readings in their trucks showing 120 degrees or whatever it was. Yeah. So it's something that, you know, it was a pressure campaign from the membership that boiled up yeah they got martin luther king day as a full paid holiday um and and if people if people don't know the cost of this to a company just do the math right one paid holiday for three hundred and forty thousand people Right. So just do the math. On average, UPS workers make about thirty five dollars an hour, I think. So do the math. Thirty five times eight times three hundred and forty thousand. I think Jason's going to do the math. So we're at ninety five million two hundred thousand. So that one day costs UPS almost one hundred million dollars. So, you know, when people say, ah, it's just one holiday. Right. When you do the math, it's shocking what what holidays cost companies. So that's a huge win um, getting one extra holiday on the calendar. Another big one, too, was the forced overtime. I know a lot of UPS guys. uh, One of them, I heard a recent story, missed their own birthday party. Yeah. Got forced into overtime. Yeah. Um, so now there's going to be no more for- forced overtime on Teamster drivers' days off. Yep. And drivers would keep one of two week uh, work week schedules and cannot be forced into overtime on their scheduled days off. Right. So they, ha- I guess they have two schedules. 
so that you know they're they're covering seven days a week yep. right so there are two schedules and they have to be kept on one of those two schedules and then another good gain for the part-timers is they're going to have priority to perform all seasonal work um, which is huge in the shipping industry oh yeah 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 um, so that's going to get i think it really protects work it keeps work in the union yep and then there's guarantees of um of new jobs as well which uh, and the numbers are 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 pretty impressive too. They're going to create 7,500 new full-time Teamster jobs, um, and they're going to fill 22,500 open positions. I guess you know if you think of it like our job posting system, they have 22,500 openings, um, and they're going to fill those openings. Wow, I should I should have said this before too about the part timers with the seasonal work. Um, sometimes they use their own cars. It's a pretty lucrative practice in the shipping industry. They're going to be guaranteed a locked-in eight-hour rate. Um, so they're locked in that if they do the work, they get their eight hours. And then for the first time, um, it, the seasonal work is going to be contained to five weeks only from November through December. Mm. So it really is protecting any outsourcing of work. It's a great deal. Um, and the last thing on the list that the Teamsters put out is zero concessions, yep. right? So the Teamsters gave nothing on this contract because quite frankly, there was nothing to give, right? The, the Teamsters owed UPS nothing. Nope. So, and that's what they got, nothing. It was time to pay. These guys, and, and, and you know, we listened to it for a couple of years, right? These, these men and women that work at UPS, they gave a lot, sacrificed a lot, risked a lot during covid um you know and and it was time for the company to pay them right yeah. their business flourished during that time crazy amounts crazy right it's one of the only businesses that that did better during covid than it did outside of covid yep. and what right? we saw over the past few months was a master class from our leadership in yep. highlighting the profits of ups highlighting the contributions of our members and how we're the ones who earn that profit. Yep. So we just talked about two contracts, right? Two Teamster contracts that really um, put on display the power that unions have right now, the power that the Teamsters have at the bargaining table, right? Our, our ability to bargain with our employers. I don't think anybody does it better than the Teamsters at the bargaining table. I really don't. Um, so what does this mean in, in the grand scheme of things, right? How, how does it impact uh, the labor movement as a whole? First, you have to recognize that these two contracts that we're talking about today um, were, were negotiated by the Teamsters with UPS, the world's largest package delivery firm, and Lockheed Martin, the world's largest defense contractor. Yeah, these aren't small contracts. Nope. These aren't you know mom and pop companies. Right. These are industry setting contracts. Yeah, they're, they're, these are massive, powerful companies, and they understand the power that workers have right now, and they're clearly not willing to sacrifice a piece of their bottom line to pick a fight with their workers. And, and that's smart, right? That's a, that's a good idea for them to, to do. I think when we perform our jobs with excellence, like the Teamsters do, and then you stand together and you, you know, refuse to bargain for less, there's no way they, there's nothing for them to do. Yep. The, the profit loss outweighs, you know, whatever they're going to get by, you know, not con conceding to the demands of the Teamsters. It's not like the, any re demands were outrageous. Right. Right. And you look at other strikes, right? Like, you know, the motion pictures going on right now. 
less than 1% of profits they're asking for. And I found out that some of the smaller uh, movie houses or production companies are actually honoring everything they're asking for, and they're still profitable. Yeah. But, you know, Disney can't cave. It's just, you know, and I've been saying it for my whole career, right? Companies just need to make, you know, workers part of their priority, right? Just part of it. Listen, we understand that profits are a a priority, right? Shareholders are a priority. Employees are shareholders. Right. And employees need to be part of that that package of priorities that every company has. And unfortunately, it's not the case with a lot of companies. And you can point to to the motion picture studios as an example of that, right? They clearly don't value their workers. Um, I think a company like UPS does. As tough as UPS can be sometimes, I think they do value their workers. Um, and this contract shows that, right? Yeah. It shows both the, you know, UPS's attitude towards their workers, and it shows the, the power that the Teamsters have today. This was risky, right? If you look at the UPS contract, um, it was risky for Sean O'Brien in particular. You know, he he decided right off the bat to take a really militant approach to the negotiations. He drew lines in the sand. You know, he threatened a massive strike right from the get-go. And it could have gone bad, right? Uh, He's obviously a lot smarter than me, um, and he got it right. And, And it's good because there was a lot riding on this. And it's not just the 340,000 UPS workers. There's actually, if you can believe it, there's bigger fish to fry. And what I think is that Amazon is that bigger fish. Absolutely. I think this contract, and I, I listen, I, I don't, I don't have any relationship with Sean O'Brien. I've met him a few times, but I don't know him. Um, but I think, just my personal opinion, I think that that was in the back of his mind the whole time. I think he knows and knew that his success in this contract has everything to do with his ability to go after Amazon. And going after Amazon isn't an option. It's a requirement yeah. for you know, middle-class jobs to stay afloat. Yeah, this is, it's a game changer, right? Amazon is a game changer. Organizing and negotiating are two completely different animals. They require different approaches, uh, but... You know, make no mistake about it, if we had taken it on the chin at UPS, our chances of organizing at Amazon would have suffered, right? Because bottom line is those workers at Amazon are watching, right? The whole country was watching yeah. that negotiations. And they're doing very similar work. Oh, yeah, really similar work. Yeah. So those workers, if they're smart, and I'm, I, I know a lot of them are, right? Those Amazon workers are looking at that deal and saying, hmm, you know, the, the, the Teamsters could could do me right too yeah i think it's still an incredible uphill battle with amazon because amazon is one of those companies that doesn't value their workers um they're gonna spend bucket loads of cash to fight any organizing campaign um so it's going to be an uphill battle but the bottom line with organizing is it's not about the company it's about the workers you got to get into the minds of the workers. You have to convince them that you are good for them, right? Yeah, I, I think this contract shows that you know we're good for what we say. Yeah, 1.6 million workers at Amazon. That's about five times the size of UPS. That changes everything, right? For the labor movement, that changes everything. 
it doubles the it more than doubles the size of the Teamsters union. Yeah. And you have to be thinking about as Amazon, you know, kind of crawls out into different industries, then you've kind of got your foot in the door to go organize those as well. Mm. I mean, they're they're only going to grow. Right. Ironically, it's companies like Amazon that are creating the wave that we're talking about, right? Um, workers are less willing to, to work for lower paying jobs today, especially if they're getting treated like garbage like they do there at, at Amazon. Or hurt. And listen, Amazon is fully aware of the problem too, right? Um, they they have a problem with, with worker turnover. Yeah. And, you know, they used to kind of brag about it. They used to look at their jobs as throwaway jobs. They were yep. okay with it. You Some know? were, I think, scheduled to be terminated really for no reason. Right. Just for the churn. Yeah. Um, but they now realize that they have a problem with that, and it really behooves them to keep workers. Yeah. And when you look at safety, when you look at wages, when you look at unfair dismissals, these are all the things we specialize in. Yeah. So, you know, they're just pushing these workers right right to us. So UPS is done, right? I think Sean O'Brien's looking for something to occupy his time, and I think it's Amazon. I shouldn't doubt Sean O'Brien, and I don't doubt him, um, but I'm definitely concerned about it. I'm concerned about our ability to succeed at Amazon just because of their attitude, right? I think Amazon is willing to, to lose a lot of money in in that fight. Yeah, it's personal. Yeah. It's personal. But you got to believe, you know, I believe that we've got so many workers there. Um, and those workers are just like us. They're trying to scrape by. They're trying to make a living. And they're getting fed up. Yeah. Um, and Amazon doesn't have much choice. Like we said, there's only so many people in this country that they can churn through before they're out. Um, so they're going to get to a point where they don't have a choice but to bargain. And as long as people stand together... They're not going to have anything they can do. Yeah, uh, the money's too great. The profits are worth too much, and it just doesn't make sense to fight workers on getting a f- sliver of the pie. It really doesn't. And and listen, it, so let's talk about let's talk about what what we're just mentioning, right? The turnover, the 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 churn, as you put it, is a problem for Amazon since COVID. People are no longer willing to do those kinds of jobs, right? Not in the numbers that they used to. Which is why we're seeing huge rollbacks in child labor protections, which yeah. is a whole nother issue we've talked about. Yeah. But. but so for for Amazon, in my opinion, and yeah, okay, I'm the pro-union guy, so it's hard for me to, to you know, take the other side. But, you know, if I'm an Amazon executive, I have to be looking at, the the positives of unionization right I, I have to be and the positive is that okay yeah instead of spending money to fight unionization we'll spend money on our workers we'll we'll make these jobs into desirable jobs and we won't have a problem with churn anymore right because right? we can afford it yeah and, and they can afford it that's the thing and it, so so you know i know we use the word we throw it around a lot in in the labor movement but it boils down to greed right it just boils down to greed these companies are greedy and they're not willing to again prioritize workers and make them part of their you know their financial obligations they're just not willing to do that yeah you know you see strikes and uh unfair labor practice pickets and amazon's had a few of them and 
you see people drive through those lines and some of the workers just kind of give a smile or a nod or, you know, a little fist up, like, thank you for coming out and doing this. You know, yep. I'm not out there today. I can't be out there today. But I think when they get the opportunity, if, if we're effective in what we do, they will be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's hope so. Um, so this discussion continues. I think we're going to probably over the next several months see more activity, um, you know, more involvement um of the Teamsters uh, on the Amazon front. So we're going to update you on that all the time as it comes. We are definitely going to be talking about what's going on with the United Auto Workers in our next episode, however that turns out. But that's going to just about do it. Um, We have some upcoming events. We do. We've got our membership meetings that are finally kicking off again. So we're hoping everybody will get out there and join us. Uh, We're going to have our food truck out in Connecticut, so make sure you come down and eat. The membership meeting in Connecticut will be on September 20th, and then in Alabama, we're going to be September 26th, and Florida will be the 28th. Yep. And then we've also got a uh, charity event coming up that we're getting involved with this year, the 22 for 22 hike to support veteran suicide. Um, So keep an eye on our website, um, sign up, get involved. Yeah, this is, and if you don't know, this is a big problem. Um, Veterans um, are victims of suicide at an alarming rate, um, a a much higher rate than the average citizen. So, you know, it's something that that needs attention, right? These folks go and they they serve their country and they protect us and and they come home um, broken. Right. And and um, this is a problem and we need to help fix it. So look for that on our website and um, and on the app and and get involved if you can. So that's going to just about do it. Uh, As always, thanks for listening to the 10 to 12 podcast. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for following us. If you're not following the 10 to 12 podcast, shame on you. Go to Podbean right now and follow us. Remember to let us know what you think about the show. If you hate it, let us know. If you love it, let us know. But tell us something. Email us at comms at teamsters1150.org. That's C-O-M-M-S at teamsters1150.org. And until next time, I'm Stephen French. And I'm Jason Shoemaker. We'll see you again. 